Well, welcome back to another episode of Confessions from the Sidelines, and I'm your host, Sarah L. Cowart. I am so excited to share this episode with you today. But before we dive into today's episode, I want to take a moment to thank our partners. Privacy laws make it difficult to help your adult children in an emergency. And as the new school year begins, power of attorney documents for your young adult children is a must-have. These are something you hope you'll never use, but when your adult child has an unexpected health or financial emergency, these documents ensure that you have the power to help. That's why I've partnered with Mama Bear Legal Forms, where they make it easy to obtain the proper documents for you as a parent. Click the link in the show notes and be sure to use the code SLC20 at Mama Bear Legal Forms to get yours today. Now, your child has chosen their school, they've got their roommate, and now comes the fun part of decorating their dorm room. Dormify is a one-stop shop for everything you need for your dorm room, from furniture essentials to even some amazing storage options. Dormify has just what you need to make the most out of your dorm room space. Head on over to dormify.com to check things out. Be sure to use the code Sarah L. Cowart at checkout. That's S-A-R-A-H-L-C-O-W-A-R-T. Now, on to today's show, where we pick up right where we left off in my conversation with David Van Wyke. If you haven't had a chance to listen to part one, I suggest pausing this episode and going back, listen to part one, and then coming right back here to catch part two. And here's the rest of my conversation with Van Wyke, my high school soccer coach. And, and so, like, and when we talk about playing the long game, I think you know, you brought up a conversation, we brought up a conversation earlier about like, I think you have to think about yourself as a person who has kind of three parts. Mm-hmm. You have like who you were growing up when you were a kid. And then now you got who you are right now. And then you have to, you know, you also have who you will be like, and I think that you have to honor all three of those things. Yeah. And so like, um, it sounds stupid to a 20 year old to say, Hey, you know what? Maybe just start, just think about starting an IRA. Just think about it. You don't have to do anything with, don't put a lot of money into it. Maybe 25 bucks a month. Just think about it. It's not a big deal. Right. Because, but that's so far away. Cause you're like, Oh, well, shit. I'm, you know, I've got 50 years before I retire. Right. And, but that's going to, and then you're going to be like, but if you honor your, if you honor who you would be in the future, honoring your future self is kind of how my father-in-law would put it. Yeah. You would, you just make choices like that. Or like, I think we talked about like injuries and athletics and stuff. Athletics will not always be playing. Athletics will not always be a central part of your identity, or it will be very rare. Mm-hmm. And especially at the, at, at, it may always be a part of it in that you like, you might always coach or you might always play like adult league, or you might always play this, but like high level athletics are going to stop at some point. Your body is going to say, it's all I got. Yeah. And, and that's okay. You, You know what I mean? And if your identity isn't entirely caught up in like that part of you, if that is if that is an important part of a larger whole, I think that's a much more important thing 
than, you know, than saying, I'll only be happy if I am on this team doing this thing. Uh, because you can almost guarantee that even if you are on this team doing this thing, it's going to be different than you think it's going to be. Oh. And that may be better or worse or, and I think, you know, maybe pleasant and unpleasant would be a nice, a better way to think about it is not bad or good, but it's just it's, different. It's going to be rather unpleasant. Yeah. That's a good word. I mean, yeah. I mean, yeah, three days starting at five 30 is a lot different than high school soccer, right? Ooh, tell us about it. <laughs> it's a whole lot different. Uh, but that's not, but I think there's a lot, there's also a lot of value in like putting a lot of effort into one thing and learning about yourself while you're doing it. I think that's amazing. And if that's like six hours, like aiming at a, one of the guys that I used to coach with Zach Craddock actually uh, said that he used to spend hours and hours in his backyard with his soccer ball and he'd aim it at a point on the fence. And that's what he would do for hours. And I think like, the discipline you learn as an athlete is very similar to the discipline you might learn as a musician where you're just like working on the fundamentals all the time. And there's a lot of value in that that will translate further on, whether it's like catching a ball or kicking it or just like the kind, it's almost like a, like playing a very active form of yoga, (laughs) you know, like you're just, thinking about like where you strike the ball and thinking about the best way to do that. I think there's a, there's an incredible amount of value in doing that. Yeah. And I love that um, you said that about talking about discipline, because it's something we talk about all the time is like, okay, teamwork, right. discipline, cooperation, like all of these things that right. you learn as a student athlete, like future employers are like, yeah. You have those skills because I know you were sure. part of a team and you've already experienced what's that like of like wins and losses. Right. And it's yeah. so valuable. And so I even want to say, because we share on the show, only 7% of high school athletes go on to play their sport in college, no matter what level from junior college, all right. the way to division one. Right. But what I want to remind our parents and our high school students who are listening is that all of those skills learned through athletics in high school translate so much into future life and for us to not like take that away no gosh I, i think i think one of the things that i did maybe understand then that i do now is that discipline and freedom are not opposites right they're actually like pieces of bread on the same side of the sandwich, you know, like they're just are the opposite side, you know, like when you are disciplined, it gives you the opportunity to do more things. And so I figure if I go to sleep at the same time and wake up at the same time, and I have my day kind of mapped out in front of me, I'm not at the whim of whatever happens to be on the computer. I'm not a slave to what's on my phone. I'm not. And so there is a freedom in that discipline. And I think like I get up every morning and I exercise. That's a discipline. I could be doing anything else 
And there's a certain like pull of like, oh man, I should stay in bed, you know, or whatever. But I think I'm 50 right now. I'm with any luck, I'm going to be 70 or 80 or 90. And I want my body to work. And I, at that time, and I get to decide that now. Yeah. You know what I mean? 80 is a bad time to start running. Yeah. Well, and I think that goes back to how you were yeah. talking about, like thinking about your past self, your current self, and then like that future self. What a great right. analogy to say, like, this is what it could look like. Right. Yeah. And I mean, like, yeah, think about, I mean, we all have to make sacrifices in order to do the things that we want to do. And you have to take a legitimate look at the sacrifice and saying, well, is this worth it for me? And is this worth what they're asking or is this worth? And, and I always used to think about colleges as being kind of like buying a car. Like they're not doing you a favor by letting you in. You're doing them a favor by coming or even better they're Both of you should get benefits. You know what I mean? Like, I, I, you know, I don't, it's hard. Like we had so many kids from, from Douglas who went on to great Ivy league schools and stuff. And it was just because they just threw their name out there. Yeah. And they were like, I want to go do this. And then somebody said, all right, well, let's, let's do it. Um, and then there were other kids that chose to stay and neither of those kids are making bad choices. Yeah. As long as like they're being consistent internally, because like what causes stress in your life later and, you know, all, all through your life actually, but, but it becomes much more apparent later is that when you are living outside of your, For, for lack of a better word, like your values or morality or who you are, like when you are not in alignment with, with that, that's what causes the stress. Yeah. And, and some people may be like super happy, like college athletics or college, anything or, or not college, right? Like I'm in a job right now that didn't require college at all except for my communication skills with my customers and stuff right and yeah. so like on one hand i didn't need the college but on the other hand without the college i wouldn't be doing this right right and, and i think so, that's so important yeah. to talk about because you also said something about like making those major decisions and i think about yeah. okay i played at a junior college for two years i knew right. firm well at the end of that, after that last game that I was not playing anymore. Right. And I knew that because my body told me that. Right. It wasn't that I yeah. wasn't recruited for another school. It wasn't that the coach didn't say, Hey, people want to talk to you. It was simply for the fact that I said, I physically, if I continue this, right. it is not going to end well. I'll be good. Right. Yeah. And I think that that's such a valuable conversation to have too for kids. I mean, because that might be the decision these kids make their senior year of high school. Right. Based off of their body. It might be the decision that they're like, you know, I need to transfer. I need to right. do this, like whatever it is. But without sure. that experience, without those things that have happened, I wouldn't have been educated enough to say, nope, 
I'm done. Well, you know what? I think also that brings up a really interesting thought that for me and something that I struggle with now, but your, your worth and your identity are not tied up in what you happen to be doing at any given point in your life. And so like your dignity as a human being is not in any way tied up with whether or not you play sports. Yes. That's something you bring with you. And I think the people that are the best at anything, at anything, I mean, if you're talking about like Yo-Yo Ma or you're talking about Zidane or you're talking like people who have that just like next level um, awareness, those people, their dignity doesn't, their 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 love of themselves i don't think when they're the most comfortable doesn't ride on whether or not they are a football player or a cellist or whatever that stuff comes before and then they all of their skills are built on top of that internal dignity that internal like stability of like it took me a lot. I struggled with this for a long time. I still do kind of, but like what I'm starting to realize as a 50 year old man with a successful business, right. Um, is that my worth doesn't come from, it is, is already there. It's not a part. It's not about, I'm going to be worthy of love and belonging, you know, um, it's funny. I listened one of the books that I listened to that really kind of changed my um, perspective on this was I listened to a series of talks by uh, Brene Brown yep. called the power of vulnerability yep. is. And she said essentially that people's like feelings of love and belonging. The only variable is whether or not people think that they should love and be think they are, are worthy of love and belonging, not whether they are or not. Mm. And so like the only variable to love and belonging was whether or not you thought you deserved it. And that made a huge impression on me because the, the enemy of that was actually, was really interesting was fitting in. So people who tried to game and tried to fit in, didn't felt like they always felt like they were frauds, I guess, or something, but they never felt that like internal consistency. But when they showed up to the game and they knew, all right, this may be okay for this. We may be a good fit. We may not be a good fit, but it's going to be okay either way. Those were the people that experienced their best. And I think like if I had anything to give my younger self or anybody younger now or older or anybody really is that that idea of just like starting out at that place, start out with like, you're okay. Yeah. And that doesn't mean like if you're being a, a contemptible human being and taking advantage of other people, that that's okay. But most people who are doing that, you like how I avoided the cuss word there. Yeah, well, um, it was real good. <laughs> But most people that are doing that don't feel okay about themselves. Right. They're doing it because they're trying to prove something to themselves. And the people that I've met and most admired in my life have a kind of interior 
peace and calm and stability that comes from that, like knowing of how, like just knowing yourself, that quest of knowing yourself. And that doesn't mean indulging yourself. And that doesn't mean, you know, there's so many things that that doesn't mean, but like, I don't know, it's just such a cool, important thing. You know, like you spend all your adolescent years, like in this like soup of like trying to figure out who you are and you've got all of these people in your ear saying you got to wear this and you got to do this and you got to like this kind of music and you got to and then you get to college and that spectrum becomes much wider but it's still a you know i i don't know it's it's just super interesting like our relationship to ourselves and our relationship to other people is such an interesting thing. Yeah. And I think there's such, we learn so much about ourselves by learning about other people, but the danger is we try to be like other people so that we can get that feeling of being accepted and being like belonging somewhere and and being loved. And, and that's not how you get that. Yeah. You know what I mean? You, you bring that, you bring that to the party. Um, and that's such a, I mean, you know what I mean? Oh, I know like, what you mean. Like I, I might, ride this way with you and I'm like, wait, am right. I back? Like, am I back at coffee high sitting in a classroom <laughs> with the wisdom rating down? Like what's happening? Yeah, like I'm like, I mean, teleported. But you get that, but there's this like sense of like, I don't know, like there's this sense of joy and freedom that comes with that piece of like, yes. I might get, you know, like, I might catch this ball or I might not but I'm going to damn sure try. Yeah. And if I miss it, it's not a referendum on whether or not I'm a good person. Right. Yes. And the athletes that I've coached that, and the, the kids that I have known who have just laid it out there. And sometimes they get their ass handed to them. And then sometimes, and you will, and you will, you do, you know what I mean? But like, I don't know. There's just something really neat about a person that's just willing to just try. Yeah. I think a lot of us end up at mediocre because we're trying to figure out whether or not we're okay. Yep. Rather than trying to do the thing that we're trying to do. Like the question is not how good a athlete could I be? How good a musician can I be? How much can I learn about this thing? How much joy can I get out of this? Well, you come to and you're like, you're constantly sort of asking a question like, am I okay? And that's the wrong question to be asking at that point. And in my, in like, it's sort of a my view of like, when I look back, like the people who were okay and then became athletes or, you know, like were content, um, not necessarily content with their current, like, I think there's always this push and pull between like, I want to get better. Like even, even now as a 50 year old man, I am trying to be a better cellist. I practice almost every morning for 30 minutes to an hour. Uh, and I work on real basic stuff and, you know, I've got a quartet concert that we're going to do at the end of next month. And, you know, I'm kind of pushing myself and pushing myself I'm never going to be yo-yo ma, but I can be as good as I can be. Yeah. And I get a lot of joy and contentment out of that. You know? 
And that's, I, I don't know. I think that's, and I'm a knife maker for crying out loud, right? <laughs> Wait, right? and, and a mean, former coach and English teacher. Like, come on. And a coach and English teacher. <laughs> but I mean, I, that, that struggle, that is a lifelong, like something that you're going to do over and over again. This is like, you know, like you, you're in the process of like learning who you are. You're not in the process of like trying to like nail down like this, mm. this, it doesn't ever stop like that growing never stops. Oh, and if it, it does stops. stop, then it's, then you're in a lot of trouble. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I thousand you're in a lot of trouble. Yes. Yeah. You're stone in the stream at that point. It's no good. You know, yes. I mean, I am a different man than I was when I was 24 and coaching girls soccer in coffee County, but I'm also the same man. Right. And I'm glad that I was that person. I'm glad that I am this person. And it's going to be real interesting to see what's going to come next. I mean, maybe I'm going to get an RV. I mean, <laughs> you, know? you totally can get an RV and travel yeah. the world. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's, I, I don't know how helpful this is, but I, I'm, I'm just thinking like, I, there are so many people who are so worried about you when you're in high school and, and then like, you know, clutching the pearls, you know, and like, if you just, I mean, work, work hard, but like, take it easy. Cause you're, it's a long ride. And if you're clutching the, if you're clutching the, uh, the armrest the whole time and white knuckling, it, it's not going to be as much fun. Oh no. You know what I mean? I a thousand percent know what you mean. Yeah. I mean, and I think that's like such great advice to you for the parents who listen of just saying like, Hey, you're along for the ride too. Like, you know, right. and that's so, so important. So, well, Van Wyke, you know, the podcast yep. is called confessions from the sidelines. All right. And I'm ready oh, yeah. for this one. <laughs> what oh, yeah? Is your... yeah. Cause I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know what you're going to say. So I'm All ready right. to hear this, but what's your favorite memory from standing on the sidelines? All right. So I thought about this a lot, actually. Um, and there is a moment that sticks out to me from when I was coaching in coffee. And we were not in the wins and losses department, super successful. That's a guess. That's an accurate statement. That, that is an accurate statement. I think you did some homework and there was some. I did a little some, bit of math. Did some math and there were some tough, tough moments, but there was this one game in Tifton. And you, I think you remember this game. Somehow or another, we snuck a goal in. I can't remember. And they were the best team in the whole, you know, like they were everybody. And we won that game 1 0. And I, I like, it was the most important thing that happened to all of us. And I remember the other team was just, they must've been like shell shocked because it was just like, what just happened? Weird. Like this was not supposed to happen. Right. (laughs) It was, it was almost like, it was like our version of Appalachian state being Michigan state. It was like, you know, and I still, 
I remember having scored that goal. I think it might've been a penalty kick or something. Somebody buried one. I think it was Milligan. Oh, yes. I think, I think, I think, I think exactly it might've right. been, I think yep. it might've been Emily Milligan. And I remember when the whistle blew, she was still working to get that ball up the field and away from our goal. Like it was hopeless to score at that point, but they were pounding our tails trying to get a goal in to tie it up or do something. And like everybody, like there was that group thing where collectively everybody just like dropped into it and decided that this was the way it was going to be. And we didn't get scared and we didn't. And I mean, like that was, that's a moment that I remember that was just, absolutely incredible and i remember i still so at at the banquet that year you guys tifton's team colors were blue and so you guys gave me a bunch of blue stuff like (laughs) like i think you guys gave me a big blues clues doll and some other things (laughs) but I still have the blue trash can that y'all gave me with all your names on it and uh, the score of the game. And like, I can't, I mean, I keep it in the basement and it's got my, like uh, some of my like bow wood. That's another story yeah. together all together, but like it's down there. And I, and I saw that and I've kept that with me. And that was just like an example to me of like, like you guys were scrappy. We weren't, <laughs> That's the actual adjective to use. Right. Yeah. I mean, and the thing is like scrappy is good. Scrappy, scrappy will get you a lot. You may not be the best soccer player, the best athlete in the world, but if you're scrappy, it'll get you somewhere. You know what I mean? And, And that just like, that was, that was great scrappy for me. And like, I remember another game. I guess maybe I'm violating the rules here. But oh, no. like, we always, there's always a few people who have a couple of favorites. Well, there was another game where we played. I don't, and I don't know if you, I think you may have been on this team or maybe not. Um, but we played in Lowndes and Lowndes was the other like completely powerful team. And we played them zero zero to something like the 88th minute. No, oh, it's probably one of those, one of the seasons where we played over time, at least 50% of the season. And I mean, they were supposed to beat us six or eight, nothing. And we played them zip zip. And I think it was Kara McKinnon that was tending goal at that point. And like, she just had a game, like the game of her life. Um, and we got a breakaway at their goal and we didn't capitalize, which is fine. And then their keeper kicked, punted it to somebody who kicked it to somebody else who buried it in the back of our net. And we lost the game in the last, I don't know, 20 seconds or something but that i I was super proud of everybody then too because of the scrappiness yeah it wasn't like 
like that stuff happens, but they were just, there was just this like, yeah, I was super sad. We were all sad, but I remember sitting down with everybody and saying, I cannot be more proud of you than I am right now. Yeah. And it has nothing to do with whether or not we won or we lost in that last game. And I, I, I don't know. I mean, that was those two moments were the moments that kind of stuck out to me the most of things that like I've seen great goals. We've had a lot of games where we were very successful. You know, uh, we've, we've won when I was at Oconee, we won like lots of region championships and that kind of stuff, but I've never forgotten the scrappiness of that group of folks. Yeah. And I, that's, that's that was worth the price of admission for me, you know Which what I mean? Which is also free. <laughs> Which is also free. Right. Well, it was free except for all the time that we had to put in it and all the you know the blood, sweat, and tears. That's and right. Driving at three o'clock in the afternoon in a hot bus on the way home, you know, all that stuff. But I mean, yeah, I mean, it really was awesome. I, I just remember those times. I like I could not have been prouder or more. Uh, content with the amount of, of effort that we put yeah. in. Yeah. Oh. That was great. That was so good. Thanks for taking me yeah. down memory lane for a second. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, that, so everybody knows. Surely that didn't catch you off guard. <laughs> no, I kind of, I expected we were going in that direction, but at the same time, I never know. All right, all so, right. Well, yeah. well, we've talked a little bit about like that you're a knife maker now. So I want to make sure right. everybody knows where to find you guys for Bloodroot Blades. Um, we'll post in the comments, I'll post the link to your website. And then also yeah. you talked about your wife, Katie, she manages the Instagram side of things on social media too. Right. So we'll be able to connect everybody there as well. Yeah. Well, awesome. thank you for having me on. This is Oh, really this is fun. so much this fun. Absolutely yeah. enjoyed it. So thanks again. Well, yeah, it's, I'm, I'm so proud of what you've done and what you've become. And this is a neat thing. It's neat to see all that you've done. Thank you. That's really cool. Well, I so, so appreciate that. Thank you for tuning into today's episode. If you have enjoyed today's show, be sure to head on over to your favorite podcasting platform to rate and review the show. And as always, I'll be cheering you on from the sidelines.